man, I would do anything. What would you fill in the blank with? <laughs> what, what would you do anything for? I mean, I'm guessing a lot of us have felt that way in life, said something like that. It's probably fact, matter of fact, we've probably said that more than once. Man, I, I'd do anything to get that grade, anything to win that championship, anything to make that deal. I'd do anything to get that job. I'd do anything to get that girl, right? Man, all through life, we have those times that something becomes so big and, and so important and we feel like we would do anything for it. And sometimes we mean it and sometimes we're just blowing smoke, right? But is there something in your life, like right now, is there something in your life right now that, that you would do anything for? Boy, it's always kind of important to know if something like that is in operation because the, the value of what we fill in the blank with will start to determine the, anything that we might be willing to do. And you know, somewhere along the way, we want some of those things that we're willing to do anything for to kind of be of the greatest value, Right? Because don't sometimes we do some things for, you know, for anything for that and we get it and like three years, five years, ten years later, it doesn't even mean that much to us? Yeah, we've all done that. Man, something was so big, so important, got to have this, got to make it happen, got to, got to achieve this and you get down the road and it, it hardly even means anything. And by the way, that's not a bad thing. I mean, hey, that's just there's an ebb and flow of life. I think, I think it's a good exercise. I think it's a good experience that you, you have goals out there, things you're striving after, some things that are kind of driving you with that whatever it takes mentality. But somewhere along the way in life, we want something we're going after to, again, be of that greatest value. Really be something. Hey, I know I'm going after something here. It doesn't matter how far down the road we get. It's still going to be of the greatest value. I think Paul shows us something like that and, and what it sounds like when he says that. In, in 2 Timothy 2.10, it's one of my favorite verses in the New Testament and one of my favorite of Paul's. He says, man, I would endure anything. Right? I, I would go through anything. I would put up with anything. There's just, there's just nothing that would stop me. I would endure anything. Gosh, Paul, for what? For the elect. Why? That they might obtain salvation. That is where? In Christ. It's only important to know. That's a word we use all the time. Where is salvation? It is in Christ and with, look at that, eternal glory. Eternal glory. Hey, that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking about here. What's something that is of that big value, that, that greatest value? That, and he seems to be saying, hey, my doing it, they're getting it. This is all in the neighborhood of eternal glory. This is what lasts. This is, this is what is good. So Paul says here, he says, hey, yeah, there's, there's something in my life I would do anything for. I would do anything for, for the elect to obtain salvation. Now, when I hear Paul say that, Two things come to my mind. Number one, does he mean it? Because, right, sometimes we're just saying stuff. Does he mean it? And then the second thing comes to my mind is, what's the elect? Who, who are the elect? What is that about? Now, that first question, does he mean it? I think we can answer that one pretty easily. Listen to what Paul says here. I'm reading out of 2 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, beginning in verse 24. 
He says, five times I received at the hand of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. The 40 lashes, that's minus one, that's 39, five times. You know, folks, if, if you got whipped one time, okay, this is a whip, has a handle about like this, it has these leather straps about like this, and about the last foot of the leather straps would be embedded uh, rocks and, and steel ball and, and glass, and I mean, it, it was meant to totally tear up the skin and the underlying muscle. If you had one stripe on your back, you'd be scarred for life. You, you would always know, you'd always be able to point to right where it happened, everybody would know. That happened to him 39 lashes, five different times. Have you ever noticed we can read something like that and just sail right on by? I mean, I can read that and say, dog, that had to hurt, and just go right on going. Can you imagine what his back looked like? I'm guessing it would be disgusting to look at. I'm guessing a lot of us would turn our heads away if we saw Paul's back, and I'm talking about after it had healed. And all those times, it had to get somewhere down into, into nerves and, and, and tissue that, that would never heal. I mean, we, we have, it's just amazing how quickly and cleanly that line reads. And you don't realize the constant pain he lived with, the, the physical marks that he lived with. And we're not even started to read what he said here. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. The time that they stoned Paul, they thought they had killed him. Now, I don't know what it looked like. I don't know what he looked like. I don't know what they, what they did, but I know they threw a lot of rocks and they looked at him and said, finished. We killed him. We, we can leave. I mean, he obviously looked in such a way that they felt like we can go home now. We're done. And got up and walked away from that. Can you believe that? Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. I kind of want to say, I, I get it, Paul, you were in danger. Verse 27, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night in hunger and thirst and often without food in cold and exposure. You know, so I just want to say, I'm going to step out on a limb here and say that when Paul says, I would endure anything, he means it. <laughs> we, we can check that off. He's telling the truth. That's not, that's not just a future projection about what he's willing to do. He's got a history back there that shows what he's done for the sake of the elect. You know, it's a, he, he is willing to do so much, I can't help but wonder, hey, is this something I should get in on? No, not, not, not the whipping, <laughs> not the shipwreck, not, not that stuff, but man, he seems to, at least in his own mind, believe there is something of such incredible value that he would endure all that. Hey, do I need to know about this? Now, he's already told us, hey, the, the reason I would endure the, those lashes, the, the, the imprisonments, the, the shipwrecks, the reason I would endure that is for the elect, that they might obtain salvation. That they might obtain salvation. Now, that, we throw that word around all the time. One of the most used words when you're on church property, right? What, what is salvation? Salvation is being rescued from eternal death. Salvation is being rescued out of eternal death. Why? Because what did 2 Timothy 2.10 say? Because we're not in Jesus. Might be a good person. Might be a wonderful person. People may applaud you. But you're not in Jesus. The rescue 
is being in Jesus. You know, it, it, it's, it's amazing. We can kind of get caught up on, in whether God is good and whether God is fair. And, I mean, you ever heard the question, how can a loving God send people to hell? You ever heard that? Ever wondered that? That's a fair question. Gosh, that, that seems, I don't want to say contradictory, but doesn't kind of love not put somebody in hell? But in that whole discussion, we're missing something. God created a rescue. God created a way out. If I don't avail myself of the way, if I don't go to Christ for the forgiveness he offers, if I don't go to Christ for the rescue that is provided there so that I don't have to go to a place where there's eternal separation from God, well, then, then that's on me. The scripture says then that when we physically die and we never cease to exist, I use the word physical just to talk about this body and this life as we know it. When we physically die, we enter into a place of eternal separation from God. Jesus calls it hell. Jesus uses words like, like fire and brimstone. He uses words like weeping and gnashing of teeth to describe that. It, it, it is an awful place. It, it is an awful place Forever and ever and ever without end, without stop. I've heard people refer, and, and, and I'm sure you have too, that, that they've been through hell on earth. They've not. I don't like saying they've not because it sounds like I'm diminishing or I'm making light or I'm dismissive of some of the things that people go through on this earth, and I'm not. Folks, I'm amazed by the horrific things that people can do to one another. I'm, array, I'm, I'm amazed by the horror and the scars that we can give each other that never seem to heal. We can go through awful things here, but the amazing thing, folks, is with all the horrors that can go on on this planet, every single thing, as bad as it is, is tempered by the presence of God, is held at bay by the presence of God. In hell, nothing is held at bay. In hell, the presence of God tempers nothing. There, there is an experience there of loneliness, of pain, of brokenness, of emptiness, of hopelessness, of hopelessness that cannot be experienced on this earth. And it goes on and on and on. Folks, salvation is being rescued from this. I'm concerned sometimes that we forget that. That, that, that word that we throw around, we talked about being saved from what? We're saved from that. Now, folks, the reason I spend the time this morning, these few minutes, because the message is not actually about hell, but the reason I, I, I would spend time on this is for this reason. I don't think you and I can fully grasp why Paul would endure what he did unless we understand hell. You see, for Paul, there was a very critical, critical situation, a very urgent situation, because people die, and they die every single day, and every single day they are entering hell, and Paul would endure anything so that that would not happen in somebody's life, especially somebody's life that he's in contact with, that, whose path he has crossed. He says, I'd do anything. For the elect to obtain that salvation. Now that, that word elect. Let me, let me take a second on that one. As we're just kind of moving through this passage. Picking out one word after, after another. That word elect kind of introduces some, some confusion. And, and some challenge 
to the table. Uh, that, that word elect has caused a, a lot of debate in church history. Very heavy debate in church history. Now, the word elect simply means choosing. God, God chose, and there is no doubt, all the way through the Bible, from beginning to end, we see this activity of, of predestination, of election, of choosing. All through Scripture, it is there. It starts in the very beginning of the Bible. Genesis 12, God elects, God chooses Abraham. And because of that choosing, he goes on to become Israel. He goes on to become the Jews, the, the chosen people of God. Well, when God chose Abraham, there was other people on the planet, right? So when he chose Abraham, that means by default, he didn't choose somebody else. Now that doesn't mean that somebody else was left out of the opportunity of God's love, out of the opportunity of God's blessing, because when he chooses Abraham, he says, I'm choosing you to funnel the blessing and love through to the rest of the world. So it wasn't leaving somebody out, but it did choose somebody and not choose somebody else, right? And again, that activity goes on all the way through the Old Testament. We come into the New Testament, and it's even more talked about. It's even more explained. As a matter of fact, do you know what you and I are called? You know what believers are called throughout the New Testament? The chosen ones. The, the elect ones. So that word, that idea is, is running all the way through Scripture. And this activity of electing or choosing, and this is where it gets kind of crazy and confusing, it happens before you and I are born. It happens in eternity past. The act of God choosing your salvation, my salvation, is God's work from beginning to end. The act of saving you started before you were even born. Now we put that idea out there and this is where the church has just kind of gone in two different directions. Both think they're protecting something. I think one side kind of thinks they're protecting the glory of God, the, the grace of God, the greatness of God, and they really kind of trumpet the cause of the, the sovereign work of God, the sovereign control of God. And they, they kind of move into this, and it, it can kind of, if you're not careful, it can kind of come out sounding like, hey, you're born, and you are born on the path to heaven, or you're born on the path to hell. There's nothing you have anything to do with it. It doesn't matter what you do, which kind of raises some questions like, well, how can I, how can I be responsible for sin if, if, if the course was set be, before I even drew a breath? But man, there, there's a significant element of the church that kind of holds to that, that sovereign work of God, the glory of God. And then there's another part of the church, and Baptists historically have tended to be more this part. We're so bothered by election, you know what we do? Just completely ignore it. It's not there. It's not in the Bible. No, you didn't read the word elect. Well, yeah, it is. He's right. No, it's not. It's not there. I mean, we don't answer it. We don't debate it. We just ignore it altogether. And, and really, the idea is there. What we're protecting is man has a choice. Man has a free will. We're not just pawns, you know, run, running through a predetermined scheme and, and out we come on the other end. None of it are our, our choice. Now, you, you got these two groups. And again, kind of the debate is sovereignty versus free will. And it's a big, big debate in the church. Whole denominations have been built uh, around this idea. And, and I think the problem with both of these views is they tend to ignore the other. See, the scripture does, in fact, communicate the reality of election. But the scripture also communicates the, uh, the reality of free will. And that we get to make a choice. 
You know, and I believe that the answer lies somewhere between. There, there is a balance. And that's, that's where I am because I'm, I'm perfect and I always land on the right answer. You know, isn't it nice to say I'm the balanced one? <laughs> you know, actually, here's the problem with balance. Is these two ideas seem to contradict each other. How can you have a God that is in control of every single detail, every single moment, and you and I are free to choose? You, you and I have a free will. I mean, that does sound like, that, that does seem like a contradiction. It's very difficult to see how those work together. I have grown comfortable with my inability to understand that. I have grown comfortable with what I believe is God's ability to absolutely make those two things work at the exact same time. And does not, think about it, does not 2 Timothy 2.10 show us both things happening at the exact same time? Paul refers to, I would endure anything for who? The elect. Do you realize the group of people he's talking about aren't saved yet, right? Why is he enduring? So that they obtain... Salvation, they don't have it yet, and yet he is already calling them the elect. He's already calling them the chosen ones. And yet, let's not see that as, boom, they're on the course, they're on the way to heaven, doesn't matter what, they're on the way to hell. No, what does he say? I would endure anything that they might obtain with that election, with that sovereign work of God. And folks, it's not like God's going to be wrong. Not like he's going to pick ten and four didn't make it. It's not like that's the case. And yet, as Paul refers to them as the elect, there still seems to be on some level a question about them obtaining salvation. As a matter of fact, it is such a question that he would endure anything to see that question resolved. Hey, if election is just some dry, cold, God puts you on the path before you're even born and off you go, then why would Paul endure anything? I don't need to be whipped. I don't need to be imprisoned. I don't need to just get out of the way and let election run its course, right? But, but that's not what Paul does. Hey, listen, election's a reality. Our free choice is a reality. I think God's got it. <laughs> I think God knows how, how both work together. Now, what we just did was go through some of the deepest waters in Scripture right along the surface in a speedboat. <laughs> and we're going to keep right on going. Okay, I'm just picking out some words and kind of showing you where we're going with them. But now all that we can, so we can all get to this place right now. Am I, are you willing to endure anything so that somebody could be saved? Would it be inappropriate of me to say, no. No, we're not, we're not willing to endure anything. I, we're not even willing to endure that much. I'm not, I'm not sure I want somebody's salvation to affect my schedule or my comfort level. I, I'm not really willing to endure hardly anything at all. Now, obviously, it would be inappropriate me of me to point at you, for instance, or you, you're one, I wouldn't do a thing. No, I'm not pointing to any individual in the room when I say that, folks, but statistically and historically, 95 out of 100 of us will never share the gospel one time. Not, not one time. We'll come to faith in Christ as an 8-year-old, as a 15-year-old, as a 29-year-old. 
And then go on to be, to call ourselves a believer, a follower of Christ, and go on to live in that status for 10, 30, 50 years. 50 years I will journey on this planet as a follower of Christ and not one single time share the gospel. Why? Because I'm not willing to endure anything. To do. I mean, clearly the proof's in the pudding, right? Now, I'm not saying I don't, I'm not willing to do anything so somebody gets saved. That's not what we're saying. That's not what we're thinking. No, we're thinking like things like, I, 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 don't, I don't know what I'd say. I, 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 don't, I don't know what I would say to somebody that, that needs salvation. Or, or maybe, maybe I know a little bit of what to say. I mean, I, I go to church a lot. I hear somebody, God loves you, I think. Hey, I think he died on a cross and you can be forgiven. I mean, I know some things, but boy, don't we live in an argumentative society today? I mean, what if I, what if I step out there and I start trying to share the gospel with somebody, try to tell them God, and they start firing questions at me and I can't answer. I'm going to look stupid. Hey, my general experience is none of us really like to look stupid. Most of us avoid the moment where we look stupid, don't we? No, I don't want to look stupid. I don't, I don't want to not be able to, to answer questions. So see, that's something I'm not willing, I'm not willing to look stupid so that somebody else might obtain salvation. And that's kind of how that works. Maybe we, uh, you know, I, I, think we, I think we feel this a lot in our culture today in America. Maybe a reason we don't share is because we're being loving and respecting, Right? It, aren't we told today that that's how you respect somebody? That's how we're to, to love and acknowledge somebody. Hey, listen, everybody has their way. Everybody's chosen. Just, just let them go on their way. That's how you love and respect them. You know, in our culture today, if you're out there sharing the gospel, proselytizing, shoving your religion in people's face, you're going to be labeled, aren't you? You're going to be called an extremist. And that's like a, one of the dirtiest words in America today. And I don't want to be called that. See, that's, I'm not willing to be called an extremist so that somebody could hear the gospel. You know, so folks, we have all these different emotions, thoughts, and feelings running around in us when, when there's a possibility of sharing the gospel. And hey, listen, all those reasons, all fine and good, except that God told us to share the gospel. Whether you look stupid or not. God told us to. And, and people are going to hell. A am I respecting someone? Am I loving them? Is they, well, look at that. They've chosen the way to hell. Be warm and filled. Have fun. You look like you're having fun. You know, I mean, is that really, is that tolerating love? Why? Why are we not willing to endure what Paul was so willing to endure? Is it because we don't believe in hell? Is it because we don't believe people actually go there? Is it because we don't understand the condition of man? And I do think that's a part of it. I mean, I, I, I know what's gone on in my own t mind at times. I mean, I think we see people, we put them in two categories. I, whew, that's a mean, evil person. They don't want to hear the gospel. And see, because I, see, I have the ability to judge people. I, I have the ability to look in their soul and know what they want and don't want. And so I can, it's, listen, I'm not held accountable for respond, giving the gospel because I put them in the category of too evil and mean to want to hear it. Right? 
Or I look at them and say, oh, they're, they're fine. They're happy. They look, they look. You know, I, you know, I bet they're a Christian anyway. I bet they are, will be one day, sooner or later, right? I mean, we, we have the ability that no matter how we look at people, I'm not really responsible to do anything here, right? I, I, think, I think periodically, not, not once, I, I think periodically throughout our lives, throughout our journey of following Christ, we do need to be reminded there actually is a hell. It is an incredibly awful, awful place that goes on forever and ever and ever. And nice people go there because they're not in Christ. You need to be reminded there is a hell. We're, we're not okay not being in Christ. We're not okay without Jesus. We need to look at ourselves and say, hey, what really, how important is this to me? Am I willing on, on any level? Maybe I'm not just not where Paul is that I would endure anything, but would I endure anything? Anything at all? Why are we not willing like Paul? You know, folks, we don't share the gospel to win debates. We don't share the gospel because we're better than others. We don't share the gospel when we've decided we have all the answers. We don't share the gospel because we're living life so well and they're not. We don't, win the, we don't share the gospel because we're in a bigger church than the guy next door. We share the gospel because, in fact, people are going to hell. We share the gospel because there's an incredibly good news that you can escape that. We share the gospel because somebody shared it with us. Someone told me. Some, someone gave me the chance to freely, of my own accord, respond to that. You know, here at the Heights, folks, one of our core values, one of the things we are all about is sharing the gospel. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you've ever seen that, but in our bulletin every single Sunday, we have a list of our core values. They're right there. It says our core values. We're not hiding it. It's here this morning. I don't know if it's in the same place every week, but six things. That's our DNA. Six things that, that this family is about. And one of those six things is sharing the good news. We, we want to be faithful as a church body to share the good news. And that means a couple of things. That means that as the church gathered, we're gathered right now, right? We're all in one spot or two spots out at Midlothian also. We're, we're gathered. We're all here. And as a gathered people, we want to be faithful, whether we're in a worship service or it's back there with our children or our Wednesday night Awanas program or maybe it's in the middle of the summer at youth camp or maybe it was last Saturday when we're in 40 different locations in Love 804. Wherever we are gathered, we want to be faithful that our gathering is casting the good news, right? Man, we want to be faithful to that. But we're only gathered for a few minutes. Once, twice a week, here and there, just for a few moments. But see, in a moment, we're going to say amen, and we're going to become the church what? Scattered. And see, if the only place we're casting the gospel is when we're gathered, hey, we're pretty good at it gathered, aren't we? I mean, look at the hired hitman you've got. There's nobody better than me at this. But I'm just in one spot for a few moments. 
But when we say amen and leave, look what happens to the Heights family. We go to 2,500 places in one week. And that's just in the one spot. Most of us go to more than one spot. So what do you multiply that 2,500 by? Four, five, all of a sudden the Heights leaves here and we're in 10,000, 15,000 different places all around this community. And some of us will travel this week. So we're all over the United States. So see, we're really actually more effective scattered. When it comes to spreading the gospel, we're more effective scattered than we are gathered. Now, there's some of our core values that gathering is the key way. But when it comes to the gospel, folks, it's scattered. So we also want to be faithful that we're training, that we're equipping, that we're challenging you to learn to share the gospel. When God, listen to this, when God brings somebody in your path. You know what I'd love to say when I hear that? Well, God doesn't bring anybody in my path. Did you know that as a follower of Christ, I won't say every day because that'd be a little dramatic. I'll just say every week. As a follower of Christ, you've not lived one week on this earth when God did not sovereignly bring somebody into your path to hear the gospel. You've never lived a week without that happening. Were we faithful? What was the heights? Because you're not just an individual, you're a church. Were we faithful in that moment? So folks, I believe there's really actually a very simple, easy way for you and I to learn to do that. Now, here's our question. Am I willing to learn? Am I, am I willing to, say, take a class for several weeks? And I, you know what? I'm not, I'm not making light of that. I'm not making fun of that. Hey, man, we got the start of school coming, and that means all the teams are back, and the bands are back, and every practice under the sun, and you and I are running all over the planet every single night. We're tired. We're exhausted. So that's a big thing to say, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a class. That's the question. Would you endure a class for a couple of weeks? So that you learn and that you're prepared the next time God brings somebody into your path. Are you and I willing to do that? I want to introduce you to somebody just for, for a second. Jim, come on up here. I say introduce him. He's not a stranger. Uh, Jim is our, well, he is our pastor of I guess I'd call you the pastor of good news. He is the, now I'd like to think all of our pastors are about the good news. All of our teachers, all of our deacons, every person here, we're about the good news. But, but Jim's job is to kind of organize us at the good news, provide opportunity for that, train us for that. And so he kind of oversees a lot of our activity gathered or scattered at the good news. I'm a hit man too. You, You are a hit man. Yeah. I'm better. I know you. Yeah. <laughs> so, so he'll organize this body of Christ. And over the years, we've done a, a variety of things. Probably Amen. the last 12 years, faith. And, and of course, faith, you know, I have faith in God. That's not how I'm using the word. Yeah. Faith is an acronym in this case. F-A-I-T-H. Yeah. It's a way of sharing the gospel. And that's what we've used for the last... Dozen or so years. Mm -hmm. Where are we right now? Give us kind of a status and update in our evangelism training. Well, faith is, of course, is evangelism program, and it's a 12-week program. 12 weeks. And it's not hard. It's only 10 verses and a lot of other stuff, too. 10 verses and a lot of stuff. I only shared two verses this morning. I know. And I don't (laughs) talk a lot in between the verses. No, you don't. You don't. You don't. (laughs) And and, uh, so so it's, it's... 
It's been hard to remember. For those who have taken faith, and we've had over a thousand take faith at wow. this church okay. in the last 10, 12 years. And out of that, we've got 100, 125, or 30 maybe that are still using faith in their life, okay. uh, in the church, in the baptism ministry, decision counseling, leading uh, teams, out, that type of thing. But it hasn't been a stick for everybody. It's, no. It's, they stuck with it. No, because it's hard to remember over a period of time okay. because it's so long it hasn't been as effective as we wanted it to be. Okay. Four years ago, Randy told me, he says, you've got to cut this down. He says, this is... I said that? You did. He said... <laughs> He's something, isn't he? I'm always uh, right. I'm always he right. He says, we've got to have a simpler program. Because at that time, we were having 50, 60 sign up at every faith, uh, every time we taught faith. So, right. you know, I wasn't too interested in changing anything. But, you know, I've come to the realization that we do. So we've come up with a new program, and okay. it's Evangelism 101. It's only two verses. Two verses. Two verses. And these two, one of them is John 3.16. And, folks, it's one of the most amazing, easiest things that I've ever come, come up with. And I came up with it myself. I was so proud of myself. <laughs> and, <laughs> And I went to Randy, and he said, this will work. And I said, I believe it will. I believe it will. But it will teach you to share the gospel in a four-week class. And it's four weeks, one hour, hour and ten minutes uh, at, at a time, uh -huh. four Wednesday nights. So it, it's real good. Okay, so there, it, there, is, there is some effort. Yes. We have to endure that. A little bit. But... but in that, what we're learning is something pretty simple, yes. pretty short, yes. that we could pull out in almost any scenario. Yeah. The good time about, thing about this, I believe 10, 5, 10, even 15, 20 years from now, you'll still be able to pull this out. After taking this class? Yes. Okay. Uh, does this, will this help me? Because I, I do get nervous about people asking me questions I can't answer. Does this kind of help me know how to, even if yes. I don't have all the answers, does it help me know how to handle questions? Yes, it and, does. Okay. Yes, it does. It will, it will help you understand how to start that conversation with people. And that's the hardest part to get to yes, start, break into that spiritual talk. I with mean, it'd someone. be nice if they just every time walked up and said, tell me how to get saved. There you go. There you go. And that, that yeah. happens, it does. but Once not very often. <laughs> yeah. But so this would kind of Okay, I, I, I sent something, I feel yes. something, this will kind of help me figure out yes. how to get a conversation started, yes, it move will. it that direction. Yes, it will. Okay. Yes, it will. And you know who we're we inviting to take this class? Who? who? Who can do this? The whole church. The whole Everyone church. Everyone that's been saved by grace. If you've accepted Christ and gone through the waters of baptism, if you're here worshiping your God today and you want to heed his call to always be ready to give the reason for your joy, then you need this class. Amen. Now, how? how? How do we how do we learn about when this is? If we have questions about what's involved with it, if, if I'm ready to sign up, how? 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 I'm how glad, do I do all this? I'm glad you asked that, I thought, yeah, This doesn't sound staged, does it? Does this sound natural, like we're yes. just making it up? Yes. Because we are. Yeah. So I'll have a sign-up table right outside any concourse. Okay, right now. And yes, right after the service. They okay. can come out. I'll answer all the questions you have, tell you when it starts, and... Uh, 
uh, what time it starts, and anything else you need to know about it. Can I come by and ask some questions without signing up? Yes. Maybe I need to go home and check my schedule, yes, look at can. something, but I am interested in learning. Yes. So any questions, any. want to understand what this is about, you'll, you'll be out there right I'll after the service. Right and you're heading that way right now. Right now. Okay, y'all see what he looks like. He's going to be standing over in that area out there of the concourse. I hope you'll take advantage. Uh, folks, it's, it's simple. It's, it's a matter of, of, like you said, two verses, three or four minutes, a presentation, a way of presenting the good news that you can be rescued. That that can happen for you. The way to share that in, in any kind of scenario. Man, I want to be faithful with why I believe God's left us on this earth, right? Have you ever thought about that? Why, why does God leave safe people on the earth? Why don't we just go on and start enjoying heaven? Because there's unsafe people. It's the only reason you and I have been left here is to tell the good news. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come before you this morning. I pray for myself. I pray for every one of us in here. God, give us eyes to see and ears to hear what is going on around us with the, the multitude of people that pass in and out of our lives every single week. Some of those people multiple times throughout the week, every week. Some just as a stranger, they go through once. Lord, let us see all the people. Let, let us see what you see. God, would you put a burden in my heart, a, a burden in the heart of us all for people's eternal destiny. And give us a passion, not for being right, not for being better, not for winning debates. Give us a passion for other people's spiritual and eternal well-being. God, we need your help in this. We've, we've just... I think sometimes it's for survival, Lord. We've just learned to ignore the people around us and the conditions that, that people are in. Help us to see what you see. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.